0: Would you guys uh, express your appreciation to the praise team this morning? I'm honestly tempted. I'm putting Cole on the spot, but maybe, what if we just skip the message today? All in favor, say aye, aye. Okay. Run it back, guys. Uh, No, thank you guys so much for leading us in worship. Hey, you're going to see that there are multiple ways to give here at South Creek. You can give as they're passing the bags. You can um, text any dollar amount to the number on the screen. Or if you go to our website, southcreek.church, there you can find an online giving option that is safe and secure. And we so appreciate um, your generosity towards uh, the things that God has called us to here in our community and, uh, and beyond uh, throughout the world. And so uh, thank you so much for your generosity, um, and thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, Before I forget, there are a few fun things that if you haven't got the chance to do, um, maybe don't do it during the message, uh, but if you do, I won't judge you. Uh, If you didn't know, there are uh, donut holes in the uh, cafe because is is there ever a date where there shouldn't be donuts involved to celebrate, right? I just... I'm just saying. And the greatest thing about donut holes, right, pro tip, you can eat like 10 of them, and it, it, it feels like one donut, right? So we're good uh, in that realm. And also, if you didn't see, uh, my friend Colby put together uh, another great little backdrop for uh, Mother's Day. So um, kids... Before I dismiss you, here's your hint. If you didn't get mom anything, don't look to the left, don't look to the right, don't sweat it right now. Suggest getting a photo right afterwards. Make sure that you smile in it, and you will be good. Grant, you can thank me later. All right, kids um, who are third grade through fifth grade, if you want to head over this way with Mr. Josh and Miss Julie, uh, have a great time um, back in South Creek Kids. One of the coolest spots... Things we don't always tell you. They have snacks and things like back back there. There would be more of you who probably would go back there if you knew that. Um, But we are so incredibly blessed by having some awesome kids and also um, some incredible adults who pour into the lives of these kids. And I really would, uh, this is my little tag as always, is uh, if you're not serving anywhere, South Creek Kids is a great place that um, you could serve and get to see the future of the church. So thank you guys so much. Well, again, happy Mother's Day. I have been incredibly privileged to see two great moms really up close and personal, both uh, my mom, who I get to have lunch or dinner with later today, and then my wife, uh, Hunter, who is an incredible mom. And I have to say, moms, one of my favorite things about you is you generally tend to be naturally better at loving kids. And here's what I mean. Some of us dads, if we're really honest, we kind of got to get coerced into doing certain things. It just doesn't come as natural. There are times where I think when when, when you hit those moments in parenting where you're like, do we let the kid live or not? The mom is almost always the voice of reason who says, no, we need to. So if you're here this morning, thank your mom later for the fact that she probably kept you alive. This morning we are wrapping up a series called Made Alive, and we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, this idea of a journey from death to life, and and today we're going to be talking about this idea of fighting for life, and and truthfully, one of the things about moms that are really incredible is, is essentially from the very beginning of conception, a mom is fighting for the life of their child. They are having to take care of their body in which a child is growing inside, which is just wild to me. Uh, They are immediately typically the um, person who brings comfort and sustenance and things like that to a child to quite literally keep them alive. Again, they remember all of the things. My wife Hunter was uh, uh, away a couple weeks ago, and there were so many things that I realized, wow, I never have to even think about this. Um, She left me notes and things like that. was very kind. I still screwed up a little bit, but moms remember and moms fight for those things. So again, Thank you, moms. And today, we are having probably the scripture that makes the most sense for a mom, and we're gonna be talking about the armor of God. Now, historically, I feel like that feels like it's supposed to be like this macho sort of like, oh yeah. But let's be honest, moms are tough. Um, Having witnessed childbirth twice, holy moly. (laughs) Ladies, you are strong. I don't care what anyone says, y'all are the strongest people in the world. Oh my goodness, one of the most disgustingly beautiful things I have ever seen, twice. (laughs) But for real, I don't know how you do it. Uh, But today we're going to talk about, in this series, we've been talking about this idea that without Christ, we are destined for a life in this world and in eternity that is um, ending in death where we experience a lack of peace and wholeness and ultimately destruction. And that when we choose Jesus, when we choose to trust in Jesus, when we choose to um, give our allegiance to Jesus, that we experience this journey from a life of death to a life of actual life. And we've talked about what that looks like over the last few weeks. We've talked about what it looks like in our relationships, in our marriages, in, in our parenting, in all sorts of things. But today, we're going to talk about this reality that we have to fight for our lives. I'm a big podcast guy. Anyone, anyone big on, on podcasts? And uh, I get in trouble for having my headphones in a lot, um, and I just love them. And I love them. I love listening to sports ones. I love interview ones. I love history ones. And I was thinking recently about a moment in history that is one that is infamous in our country's history. And it's the events of Pearl Harbor. And we all remember... We all remember this, this moment in, in our country's history, right? The United States is not currently uh, in the midst of World War II. Things are happening uh, throughout the world, and yet we, we are not in it yet. And uh, we have this surprise attack that happens on um, Pearl Harbor, this base, this naval base uh, in Hawaii. And it's this tragic um, moment in history, right, where there's tons of lives lost, and uh, it's a day that we, we, we continue to remember and honor the men and women who lost their lives that day. And yet it's interesting as, as history has kind of unfolded, there are moments that as we look back on that date and that moment, it appears like there were numerous warning signs that an attack was going to come. It's interesting hearing some of the firsthand accounts of the people who were there. It was business as usual, which you think about it. Hawaii would not be a bad place to be stationed. It would just be a bad place to live. But the day before, from everything they they talk about, it was pretty normal. People were still kind of going about their business, enjoying kind of the paradise that was Hawaii, not really thinking at all about the possibility of imminent danger. And yet again, this isn't throwing any shade to any of those people at that time, it appears like there had been quite a few warning signs that an attack might be coming, that there may have been intelligence along the way. And historically, this has happened throughout history, right, because there's a piece of us that loves the idea of thinking that there are no enemies, that the world is at peace. We like to kind of live in a sense of, 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 of idyllic state where we're sort of in a bubble, and if we just don't think about it, maybe it won't happen. And yet one of the, the difficult things of life, especially once we decide to follow Jesus, is we, we begin to be awakened to the reality that you will always encounter an enemy. That at some point in life, you are always going to encounter an enemy. Paul breaks down this a little bit, and we're going to dive into it in a moment, but, but it's one of those things that's a not, fun to, not a fun thing to think about. No one likes this heightened sense of there being danger. One of the things that was really stressful about the last few years, right, during during the midst of COVID in particular, was this heightened sense of dread of, of always something was lurking around the other corner, which is terrible for our mental health. And yet, in the world that we live, if we desire to follow Jesus, one of the things that we have to make peace with is the fact that there is an enemy that he does want to kill, steal, and destroy. But we also make peace with the fact that he doesn't get to win. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what Paul has to say. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open up to um, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be hanging out there this morning. Um, but Paul, Paul has written this letter so far talking about life and death. He, he's written about how we could live in a manner that would bring life in our relationships and things like that. And this is him wrapping up the letter and he says this he says finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for your struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms now Paul sets up this this moment, and there's a couple things that he sets up in here that are really important to recognize. He mentions this idea of the powers of this dark world. Now, let me just go on and, and say this. From a spiritual manner, people are not your enemy. The powers of darkness in this world that oftentimes enter into and control people are your enemies, And the reality is every single one of us who chooses not to trust in Jesus, who chooses not to put on the full armor of God, is susceptible to the devil's schemes. Schemes is a fun word because it sounds fun to say, but it's something that's tricky and not fun. Schemes oftentimes are, are, are again, this idea of of trying to trick us and and catch us when our guard is down, looking for for places where we are weak, where we're not paying attention. And we have to be active in resisting these things, in preparing for the realities that not if we are attacked, but when we are attacked. See, one of the issues, though, I, I see with some people in their spiritual walk is they want to pretend that they are not susceptible things. They want to pretend that there is no enemy. They want to pretend all these things. And, and can I just say this? Pretending we have no enemy will not protect us from attacks. It will likely make them worse. There are lots of people who are like, can, we just, can I have the Jesus thing and not think about the whole enemy piece? I, don't, I, I like Jesus. He seems to, to smile a lot and, and hold farm animals and little children. I like that. I don't like the, the, the scary thoughts. And, you know, C.S. Lewis once, once talked about this idea that one of our greatest um, tragedies that we, could, we have when it comes to um, Satan, to the enemy, to these powers that be, is that we could either completely fold into this paralyzed worry about him, or we could pretend he doesn't exist at all. And in both cases, we are in trouble. Because we have to recognize that in this broken, fallen world that we live in right now, He is still out for blood. He cannot win. He can't win the final battle. The game's over. But in this world, his goal is to still take as many as possible, to make those stumble and fall, to make us feel like maybe God isn't there, that even though he cannot win the war, he's going to try to win little battles. And one of the greatest tragedies is if we live a life afraid of him, because there's parts of us that we really shouldn't, because we know who wins. But also, I fear that many people want to pretend that he's not there, that nothing's going on. And when attacks come, because it's not if, it's when, we're like, what happened? You know, Jesus once said that in this world you will have troubles. I've met a lot of people who started walking with Jesus, and and they experienced troubles. And they're like, when did that happen? Why didn't you tell me, Jesus? And he's like, if you had read your Bible. He says, in this world, you will have many troubles. But if you remember the, the next part of the verse, he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome every enemy. This morning, I want to talk about what it looks like to put on not just some, but the full armor of God. And I wanna wanna talk a little bit about what it means to um, walk with Jesus in obedience. Paul continues on in Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 13, and he says this. Again, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, I love his emphasis twice now He hasn't just mentioned this idea that it's the armor of God, but to put on the full armor of God. Now, this week, as I've been studying uh, this last few weeks, really, um, I I have noticed something that he has to keep saying this because uh, in many ways, we are like children when it comes to our spiritual walk. And what I mean by that is I I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and it is wild how often I have to continue to spell out things for them. Where we put out clothes and they get just like a sock on first and nothing else. And you have to continue to ride them like, hey, you need to get more of those things on. Or there are times, right, where you say, hey, we need to get ready. And all they do is put like one thing on. They're, they're missing very obvious things. They're missing socks. They're missing shoes. Sometimes they got their clothes on and no underwear. I don't understand what they do. Maybe it's the life of boys. I don't know. I don't have girls. But there are times where I have to remind my boys what I feel like are very basic, obvious things that we need everything on to be ready to go. And Paul emphasizes this idea that this world that we're walking into, these battlefields that are our life, it's not going to cut it to just have part of the armor on. We don't need to just kind of get battle ready for, for part way, we need to fully prepare. Because again, it's not if, it's when we experience attacks and adversity. And so he continues on by saying this. He again says, stand firm then. There's this onus again over and over throughout Ephesians, throughout a lot of Paul's writings for this idea that we stand up in the face of these oppositions. And he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now let's talk a little bit about um, what all these represent, what these mean. And again, this importance of doing it right and putting on all of it. As I've said before, my, my boys, I keep having to teach in particular my four-year-old that when we get on clothes, there is an order of how you get clothes on. Now, I understand, right? There are, um, there are certain things where people like to get dressed in certain ways uh, that are weird, but it's obvious, right, that there are certain things that go in a certain order, right? You cannot put on your pants uh, before your underpants. That's just, that's a reality, right? Or it's, it's kind of hard to put on your socks once your shoes are on. There is a certain order. And so when Paul lays these out, he lays out the order in which a soldier of that time would have put on their gear. And he begins first with this idea of the belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth, what's interesting is it would be something that would have gone under most of all the the rest of the armor. But it's this important thing that without it being under there, you're like, how do you get this on here? And he talks about this idea of the belt of truth. And and, and the idea of the belt at that time too would be really kind of holding all things together. It also would be a word uh, for a girdle, which is a a fun term. Um, It's not really a term we picture many guys putting on girdles anymore. Right now, everyone, one, two, three, picture, picture someone who you wouldn't want to with a girdle on who's a man. One, two, three, go. Yep, we're all in a weird place right now together. But... This idea is that it holds all things together. And this idea of truth, truth is something that we do not get to control. We don't get to name. We live in a culture where it's like, well, that's my truth and that's their truth. That does not work. Think about this. Ask gravity if you can choose your own version of gravity. It does not work. If you jump off something, gravity will take its truth. Uh, You don't get to choose it. But this idea that truth holds all things together, that in a world where we are constantly inundated with lies and different sort of um, ways of thinking and believing in this world, we recognize that when we actually step into God's truth, that he holds all things together, that he brings peace and harmony and wholeness in a way that other ideas and teachings do not. And so we begin with the belt of truth. Then goes the breastplate of righteousness. Now you think about it, this would have went right here. And if you could picture it, it would have been made of metal, and it would have covered all of these areas that would have a lot of the vital organs, in particular, the heart. And Scripture has an onus over and over about this idea of above all else, guard your heart. And part of this is because if we do not guard our heart, it will get captured in some sort of way. It will get punctured. It will get impaled. And so in this fighting, right, you'd have to have some sort of armor here because when you are fighting close combat, it would be really easy that if you don't have something protecting yourselves from attacks, from strikes from others, you would easily uh, get uh, wounded. And so this idea of putting on this breastplate of righteousness is this idea of understanding that we Enter into a relationship of righteousness. If you've not been with us before, the simple way of thinking about righteousness is this idea of a right relationship. That to be in God's righteousness, to seek his righteousness, is to seek his will and his way to be in a right relationship with him. And that when we choose to be in right relationship with him by following his will and his way then we will be good. We will be not be susceptible to attacks. We will have some level of armor that will not be able to um, have blows that are hey, taken to us. Then he kind of pivots, and he goes and he says that your, your feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In Isaiah, there's this beautiful verse that talks about how, how lovely are the feet that bring good news, In ancient culture, during wars in particular, um, there would oftentimes be warriors who would be tasked with when there needed to be some sort of message relayed either in another city or farther back in the troops. There would be someone who would have to have their their feet, their sandals ready to be able to run. You know, the first marathon, that's kind of how some of those things happened. And that oftentimes what they would do is they would run and announce a gospel because gospel just means good news. And so they would oftentimes run and either be be able to proclaim that either there was victory or that there is a new king or something of that nature. And so then Paul tells the follower of Jesus, not only are you having yourself founded in truth, firm and steady, not only are you protecting your heart, but you are ready to run to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel that brings peace to wherever you need to go. And he pivots back then to this idea of what does it look like to be prepared to protect yourself from the devil's schemes. And he says, pick up the shield of faith. And the shield of faith, uh, he he in particular mentions this idea of Eros. Now, um, if you've ever watched like the Lord of the Rings, any nerds in this house? Let's go, yes. You've seen, right? This is sort of like in ancient culture, this is the, the far artillery, right? They're not the close combat. You're not walking up to someone and being like, kata. This is the, the, the far-off shots where sometimes you might not even notice from where they are coming. And they would have these shields so that way they could go like, ta. Um, that's a pretty good shield moment, right? Um, count that as a lunge. Um, <laughs> but the idea behind the shield is it would be this, this long thing that oftentimes might be on your back, but you could bring up to bring some level of protection, in particular from things that would be coming from far away. And this idea of a shield of faith is this idea that when we choose faith in Christ, it protects us from attacks that we may not have saw coming. That oftentimes when we choose to have faith in Jesus, it also gives us a sense of disposition to not allow attacks to throw us off course. You know, I've noticed at least in my own life, half of the time that I have um, experienced pain from attacks from the enemy, is my own mental response believing that it's really going to hurt and that he's going to win. In the moments where I, I experience the most deep wounding, oftentimes are the times where I forget that I can trust God, that I forget that he's given me a shield of faith, that it's usually when I've let my guard down, when I've sort of said, I don't, I don't know if this is working anymore, and I kind of set that part down. I decide maybe I don't need the full armor of God, just some of it. In particular, one of the things I think about is the fact that shields were not necessarily light all the time. They were heavy for a reason. And honestly, faith, it's hard because sometimes trusting in Jesus is hard and it's heavy. And it feels like the easier thing would be just to lay it down, to sort of say, I'm going to keep getting shot anyways. Why does it matter? And this morning, would you hear that faith is worth it? Continue to trust in Jesus even when it's hard. There are moments where you may not even realize that the shield of faith is protecting you. Continue to choose to follow him. He moves on and then says the helmet of salvation. This idea of the helmet of the salvation, isn't, salvation in this, in this word uh, isn't just about this idea of him saving us you know, from, our, from our sins in this moment, but it's also this idea that salvation also has to do with this future victory. And when we put this on, we guard our mind so that way we are reminded of who we are. Helmets oftentimes in ancient culture too would be a bit of an identifier, that they would have certain helmets that would sort of uh, fit with who they were. And so this is a reminder that when we put the helmet of salvation on, we remind ourselves of our identity in Christ. We guard the, 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 the mind so that way, too, nothing can throw us off. No sort of uh, thing can make us feel like we are not who God says we are. It reminds us that in the end, he wins. And the last thing that he mentions, everything else is on defense, but the last thing he says is, is, is take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, it's interesting, if you look uh, throughout Scripture, but in particular, if you look at the story of Jesus, whenever Jesus, in particular when he was tempted in the wilderness, whenever he would experience attacks from the enemy, Scripture would flow from his mouth. That whenever there was a sense of untruth, of lies, anytime there was a sense of attack, the way that Jesus would respond was through the Word of God. There's a reason why it is so important for us to dive into God's word, to meditate on it, to, to have it be um, part of who we are, because oftentimes the greatest counter to a lie is the truth. If you remember when Jesus was, was tempted, every time Satan would bring something to him, he would counter back with Scripture. Scripture. Which to me, I like to picture uh, essentially when, when Jesus and uh, Satan are in the wilderness, I like to think that it was kind of like a Star Wars Jedi standoff where it's like they pull out their lightsabers and every time, anyways, that's just me. But it's so important that if we really want to experience all those things, this, again, this idea of this full armor of God, I see many people who try to do the right thing of that they, they get the truth. They guard their hearts. They uh, decide to make sure that they have their feet ready. They have their helmet on. And yet there are certain moments where we do also have to fight back, where we have to push back against the prevailing thoughts of the world, where we have to push back against what Satan wants to say to us, and we must fight I want to give just three, three quick things that we learn from um, this idea of putting on the armor of God in the day and age that we live, uh, and then we're going to sing one last song. And maybe these would be helpful, maybe these would be things that, that you've thought about before and never thought about before, but maybe you'll find them to be helpful um, in thinking about choosing to fight for your life. Here's the first thing. Um, faith is something that we have to fight for, um, but remember, we don't fight alone or in vain. Faith is something that we have to work for. I like to think about faith being like um, uh, working out. Uh, You have to build a muscle, right? Um, I I wish it was true. And oftentimes, if I work out, I usually come upstairs and ask my wife, Hunter. I'm like, can you tell? Like, does it look pretty good? Um, And usually, I've done like three push-ups, hoping like, can you kind of see like a little bit of a bulge there? Um, And she is very honest and kind to me. But it takes time. We oftentimes just desire to have instantaneous faith that that helps us in the midst of all of this. Faith comes from working at it and daily choosing it over and over. It comes from putting your faith in Jesus in the small things and the big things. And it's something that we have to fight for. Because every single moment of our lives, we are put at a place where we have to choose am I going to trust in God or am I going to trust in fill in the blank myself my bank account my youth my looks my relationships and yet Jesus is the only thing that we can fully trust that will never let us down and when we fight for it, we also remind ourselves that we aren't doing this alone. Not only do we get the armor of God, the full armor of God that helps us stand against the, the schemes of the devil, but we also have quite literally the greatest warrior in Jesus, who has already won the ultimate battle but continues to stand by our side in the middle of the trenches, fighting on our behalf, oftentimes before we even see an attack coming, who encourage us as a, encourages us in the midst of it to keep going. So remember, your faith is something that is worth fighting for, and you don't do it on your own, and it will not be in vain. We fight not only to have a life of abundance today, but to have a future with Jesus tomorrow. Here's the second thing. Uh, The armor of God comes only from abiding in Jesus by obeying him. Now, obeying is a word that many of us do not like. I don't like it. When I hear the word obey, my thought goes to like obedience school for a dog. I've never been excited about someone asking me to obey them. Just be honest. And yet, as I study scripture over and over, the way to freedom in Christ is by obeying his will in his way. And when we begin to recognize that the only way to actually have the full armor of God, the only way to actually be in legitimate good standing and relationship with Jesus to experience intimacy is to obey him and listen. Because Jesus has our best interests in mind. His way is the way that brings peace and wholeness and life. And obedience is the real key to real life because Jesus' way is the only way. And for some of us, that's hard to accept. That's hard to kind of lay down. Like, are we sure about that? And yet again, I always go with, if you can die on a cross and three days later come back from the dead, like I'm, I'm choosing what you say first. Uh, if you can do all that you can do, if you are the son of man, I, I'm going to go with your way. I'm putting my money on you. And here's the last thing. Um, when we fight, fight knowing who holds your future. One of the things that's hard is we will constantly experience different battles, and sometimes in the midst of the battles, we can lose focus of the finish line. And we know that someday Jesus is coming back, and for once and for all, our enemy will be defeated and vanquished and be no more. He'll have no power over us, he'll have no opportunity to attack us or any of those things. We know that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But until then, we have to fight. Until then, we have to resist. But as we do it, remember whose you are. Remember that he is with you now and remember where you'll be with him forevermore. Keep that in mind as you fight. Paul closes out um, by saying this, and, and I'm gonna invite Uh, pastor Cole out because he's going to lead us in one last song but he says this and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should Friends, that prayer that he gave for himself and that he gave for those followers of Jesus then is a prayer that is still for us today, that we would be fearless in proclaiming the gospel, that we would be an ambassador for him even if we're in chains, that we would continue to stay alert and to always remember that God is with us. As we're going to close this morning, um, I'm going to go ahead and invite you guys to stand. And uh, we're gonna sing one last song. And as we sing, my uh, invitation to you is to think about maybe where you're at uh, in your own walk with Jesus. Maybe, Maybe today is the day to choose to just put your full trust in him and maybe experience the freedom that you never thought you could. Maybe for some, today is the opportunity to turn back around, to repent from the ways that have left you wounded and broken and that you could experience that peace that transcends all our standing. For some of us, maybe if we're honest, we're realizing, man, I feel like I'm in this battle and I only got part of my army on or none of it on. And maybe this morning is the opportunity for you to say, it's time for me to put it on. And so there are these three three things to keep in mind uh, as we pray, that we should stand firm, that we should be ready, and we should suit up. Because the enemy is coming, whether we're ready or not. And we must be ready to stand against him. And we must be ready to go out into this world because there are so many people who are behind enemy lines who desperately need someone to say, I'm willing to go there to make sure that you know. That you are so loved that Jesus came into this world and you don't have to live in a place of chaos and confusion and hurt no more that it is time to come home and join into God's army. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for um, who you are. We're so grateful for your word. And we're so grateful for the power that your word has. We're so grateful for the way that it calls us, um, Father, to surrender every bit of our lives to you, to trust you and obey you because we know that your way is good. Father, this morning, I pray for, for some in this room, maybe um, for the first time ever, need to just surrender to you. They need to experience that, that new life that they never thought they really could, could get to. They need to experience what it looks like to have intimacy with you. Father, some this morning need to just uh, choose to, to, after a long time of maybe not trusting in you, turn back around. And Father, some of us just need uh, to have the courage to put on our armor, And to get back in the game. To stop pretending that the enemy isn't there. To stop treating this life like it's just this uh, blip on the radar. But to realize that how we live in life deeply impacts eternity. So Father, remind us that you're with us and that you're for us. And that you love us. Speak to us as we sing this song. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.